Welcome back to the Rabbit Rundown. As always, my name is Jacob Von Bergen, and I'm joined here by my friend and former men's manager, Cody Reed. Cody, how's it going today? Pretty good. We've had you know a lot of basketball uh, since the last time we talked. Um, got to see a lot of different things from both the men's and the women's side, and so excited to kind of dive into what we saw over the weekend and, and into this week, and then kind of preview uh, the holiday tournaments and, and next week. Uh, mm -hmm next week's games no for sure um we'll uh we got you know it looks like three men's game to kind of recap from this past week a couple games to preview uh before next week's episode uh we got a couple girls games as well the preview and um to kind of go over we'll also briefly touch on some around the summit news not a whole lot of you know breaking news this week but there's been a lot of games so we'll kind of just recap some records and any other storylines uh throughout the conference but uh first you know we'll dive into the men's uh, last few games so you know last week we it was the first time we kind of got into the to real games with the Bradley game uh, but you know we got a bigger uh, sample size to look at now for the Jacks um, you know now they in this last week they played Alabama lost 104 to 88 uh, again Alabama was the number 14 uh, 14 team at the time uh, depending on where you look uh, they beat SF Austin 83-71 and then they beat Montana State 91 to 74 uh, you know, a lot of takeaways from um, the games here. There's a couple storylines I know we briefly touched on uh, before we started recording that we know we're going to kind of bring up here uh, probably throughout some time here. But any major takeaways you took, uh, you know, from these first these last three games? Big picture things, I think, is that the Jackrabbits are, are continuing to be a great offensive team. I mean, uh, the way they share the ball, especially in this Montana State game that um, we're recording, you know, right after that game. But it was a, one of those games where everyone's touching the ball. The cuts are there. The passes are there. It's flowing, you know, almost 50 points in the paint. Also shot over 50% from three, even though they didn't take as many as they maybe typically do. Just, just good shot selection, unselfish play. And, and I think you saw that uh, throughout the three games. You know, if you, you go to Alabama, I think Jacks ended up getting kind of just um, out-athleticized a little bit, if that's a word I can use, uh, on the glass and kind of down the stretch there. Uh, but then they pick up two two really quality wins on the road at Stephen F. Austin in a place that is almost as tough to play as Frost Arena. And then yep. uh, get a home win against Montana State, uh, who's, you know, supposed to be at the top of the Big Sky Conference this year. Um, so just two really quality wins. I think they're about at where we kind of projected they would be at this point in the season, um, you know, three and one, probably going to be four and one after presentation tomorrow, um, going into the crossover classic tournament. No, for sure. Um, and, you know, we kind of, uh, the Alabama game kind of got away from them there at the end. Um, but I don't think anybody that watched that game from start to finish thought, you know, this is uh, an SDSU team that can't hang, at least hang with the big boys for a while. I got a lot of foul trouble. Um, you tell us so you're still working on some of the rotation things in that game being game number two. Um, you know, come end of the season could look a lot different in that game. Uh, you know, we saw a lot of different lineups, you know, in these first four games for the Jacks already. Um, you know, some, you know, major things we've, I've noticed in these last three games, at least uh, some foul trouble, uh, especially the big men, you know, Doug and Luke in uh, a couple of games have, you know, gotten some early foul trouble. Maybe what kind of kept Doug scoring a little bit slower or, you know, slower starting. Um, you know, a lot tonight heard like Brad knew it and uh, talk about how, you know, he plays too fast down low sometimes. And, you know, when we do see Doug struggle, it's kind of that when it's like, you know, he's forcing the shots, he's not getting his feet under him, that kind of stuff. But um, as this game against Montana State went on today, you know, we started seeing like, you know, him get confident, kind of play the way he's used to playing uh, defensively, you know, getting out in transition on offense. And really in this Montana State game, uh, you know, the Jacks, really good from three all, you know, start the season. Um, they were tonight too. Uh, I think they were like seven of nine in the first half. Uh, but they show in this game, like they don't have to play uh, outside the three-point arc. They really, you know, battled down low. Uh, Luke coming off the bench, you know, really uh, gave him a jolt. He had like six points in like his first like two minutes on, on the court, really just attacked down low. Um, you know, he's, if he can stay out of foul trouble, you know, if his defense can improve a little bit, because that is, you know, a problem for him at times is he's, his feet are a little slow on defense, um, fouls a lot. 
but if he can get, you know, improve that side of the uh, ball, he's going to be hard to take off the court because he is a weapon offensively that uh, maybe, you know, Matt Detlinger is probably better defensively, uh, but offensively Luke's clearly uh, kind of their better option down low. Um, at least that's kind of what we've seen so far. Maybe it's just because Luke's gotten some more minutes. But uh, Luke, when he was in the game tonight, really attacked down low. Uh, Doug attacked down low. They really cut. You know, they SCSU uses that mid, uh, mid-range mid shot a lot more than a lot of other teams do at this point. Um, but it's effective for them. And like you said, the uh, Austin, this SF Austin road game there, uh, really tough environment to play in, quality win. Um, yeah, I'm just, I, you know, I'm interested to see how the rotation keeps changing throughout the year and how like the minute minutes get divvied up. I know Hendo said in his post game tonight that uh, he doesn't really have a, a, you know, a answer at the moment for um, how he's been tinkering with the lineup. You know, we've seen some different starting lineups. Uh, Noah's been in there. Matt Mims has been in there. Charlie's been in there. And uh, I think it's kind of a testament to this team too, that it's fine at the moment that mm-hmm. people are starting some nights and not starting summer nights as Hendo's trying to figure out what is the best spot for everyone to be in. And, uh, you know, the guys play together enough and have enough trust in each other and the coaching staff that it's fine if, if it's not consistent right now. Hendo did talk about how, you know, at some point in the season, I think you do want some consistency just so people know what to expect. It's routine. And, you know, I think they're working towards that. But at the moment, I, I don't think it's a, it's a huge deal. You know, it doesn't seem to have affected anyone, really. Um, they've all kind of played pretty consistently game to game. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then going back to some of the things you said about, you know, Doug, I think it's true that when he has been in the post, I think he's just been too fast, a little excited. You know, he hasn't um, maybe been in the best position, positioning, uh, got a few travels. Um, and then I think part of that is because of, the foul trouble he's been in, he just hasn't been on the floor and, and kind of in rhythm for the consistent amount of minutes that he is probably expecting just because of that foul trouble. Um, and so I think it's good. It's a good sign if you're the Jackrabbits that Doug probably hasn't played his best basketball yet. Um, mm-hmm. And you're still playing very well as a team and winning games. And, you know, Luke is a very formidable backup post, especially offensively that most teams don't have, you know, a lot of teams when they bring him their backup post, it's usually a defensive guy, maybe someone that's a little more of a, you know, rebounder kind of just, just holds, holds their own in the post, uh, but doesn't have that ability to score. Whereas Luke, you know, provides a good spark. And you see when you can bring in, you know, Noah Friedel and Luke Apple and have them score, you know, 30 some points off the bench, that that's a pretty powerful combo. No, for sure. Um, and like, you know, we were talking minutes really outside of Baylor. Uh, everyone else was playing around like the guards are all playing around that 25 to 28 mark. Matt and Luke tonight played 13, 14 minutes each. Uh, so, you know, pretty even there. And then Doug played 26. But um, it will be interesting to see because we haven't seen since, you know, Nagy left more than really an eight man rotation out of the Jacks. Um, and this year, you know, we've consistently now through four games have seen at least 10 guys on the court. You know, before the garbage time minutes at the end where it's like a blowout either way. Um, obviously, like tonight, you kind of saw the bench get cleared and, you know, that extra unit kind of come out for a few minutes. But, uh, you know, Winget didn't get as many minutes tonight um, as we've seen, uh, just maybe because of how the other four guys or other four or five guards are playing. Um, you know, they really had a nice matchup. They're, they moved Baylor to the four pretty consistently. Um, but, you know, the one thing Hendo has with this team is, um, the ability to play guys differently because who would have guessed at the beginning of the year, you know, we'd be seeing Baylor Shireman play the four, uh, you know, consistently. Um, and at times they have three point guards on the court when Zeke comes in, uh, you know, he, it looks like he kind of runs the point guard uh, when he's in the, you know, in the game, um, you know, Noah's capable of running it. We've seen Alex run it for a season. Baylor's obviously, you know, clearly able to run it. So when those four guys are on the court together, uh, it's basically, you know, good to rebound, kick the ball out and run, uh, especially when Doug's, you know, playing the five because Doug can fly up and down the court with all the guards. So um, I do think it'll be interesting to see how they go throughout the year. Uh, the one thing I'm not a fan of when they do go with that four guard rotation is it does seem like they lose out on the rebounding battle a little bit more. Uh, you know, they're expecting Baylor to kind of clean up the boards. 
you know, tonight he only got seven rebounds. So he, did, he lost his double-double streak to start the year. Uh, but he is averaging, you know, close to 10-ish rebounds on a game, if not a little bit more. I, I don't have the exact set – or 14 rebounds, excuse me. Um, and then just slightly over 11. You know, he started out slowing – or slow with his scoring. You know, I think he missed 12 straight threes at one point. Uh, you know, kind of got back on track tonight. Um, but I do think, you know, when they're having him run the four, they do lose some size and they've started losing the rebounding. Um, and another thing that they kind of fixed a little bit tonight was the turnovers. Uh, they, they were averaging about 15 some a game. Uh, tonight they only had 10. Obviously, you'd like that number down a little bit, but you can kind of live with the 10. Uh, but is that something you think just from rust or early season? Or what do you think would help, you know, maybe fix that turnover issue they've had? I think it's, yeah, just kind of at the beginning of the season, because you're always going to have a few kind of dumb turnovers where mm-hmm. people quite aren't on the same page yet. So I think that number will kind of come back down to, I want to say last year, they were maybe averaging like 12, 12 a game, 13 a game. Uh, and that's, you know, if you can, if you can be 10 to 11 to 12, that's really good, especially with the tempo that the Jacks play at and how many possessions they have in a game. Um, you know, compare that to a team that plays really slow um, that has that many, you know, you have a lower percentage of possessions ending in turnover. So I think if they can keep that in that, range that they had tonight against Montana state. That's where you want to be. Um, mm-hmm. Some other maybe things to improve on for the Jacks that it looked like they started to write the ship with tonight against Montana state. Um, if you go back to the Alabama game, um, the second half and even the Bradley game, the first four minutes of the second half, they kind of let Bradley creep, creep back in the game when it was, you know, a, a bigger lead. And then at halftime of the Alabama game, I want to say it was like a three point game that the Jacks, mm-hmm. We're down, and then Alabama comes out in a 10-0 run, and they can never quite get back to even. And then in Stephen F. Austin, they were up eight points at halftime and then ended up going down and had to come back, you know, midway through the second half. Whereas tonight, um, they were up at halftime, and then they extended that lead quite a bit before kind of – they did meet, meet a lull, you know, about the 14-minute mark where Montana State kept it slightly interesting, I'll say. You know, it was never really threatened uh, to, for them to take the lead, but they hung around uh, and didn't just completely get blown out. So I think that was a good sign from the Jacks that they came out those first four minutes of the second half uh, and really um, kind of kept their, their foot on the gas and, and extended the lead there. Free throw shooting is probably another thing that's been up and down for the Jacks this season. Um, so those are maybe some things to continue to watch as we go into the next games. Yeah, it looks like I was just running because that was another thing I just thought about before you said it was the free throws. And um, they've shot about 60% in every game. And then tonight it's about 55%. So uh, it was like 68% Bradley, 61 in Alabama, uh, 62 in the and Well, I think Bradley, didn't they only miss like one? Oh, excuse me. I looked at the wrong. I looked at Bradley's. Uh, yeah, they were 96% in that Bradley game. So yeah, outside of the Bradley game, um, they've been pretty average to, you know, below average at the free throw line. Uh, so, you know, obviously come summit league time that tends to play a pretty big, you know, role that in turnovers, uh, you know, historically we've seen them kind of win a lot of the games in the rebounding category. So I kind of expect that once conference play comes around, they do have a lot more size than a lot of teams do and, uh, you know, throughout their lineup. So rebounding, I don't, you know, don't have a huge concern for, uh, you know, come conference season. Uh, but, you know, we're starting to see, you know, the free throws creep back in. That was a big thing last year for the team. Uh, so, I, you know, that would be a thing where I don't know what happened in the Bradley game that they just didn't miss outside of the one. Uh, now they can't seem to hit a free throw. Um, you know, Doug went 10 for 10 that game, and I don't know what his number's at now, but uh, definitely not 10 for 10 anymore. <laughs> so, um, this, it'd be interesting to see how that develops throughout the year, and it's definitely something worth watching. Um, I don't know if you still have anything specifically about like each individual games to go over, uh, but there's you know a couple storylines we've you know seen develop uh, throughout these couple games. Is a the starting rotation? We kind of touched on minutes already, um, but we've seen different lineups kind of throughout. Um, you know, Noah finally got back in the starting lineup against uh, up Austin. Uh, but then, you know, Eastley came back in as a starter uh, tonight against Montana State. Do you think this is a matchup thing? Um, or do you think it's more of a, you know, Eastley is going to be the starter 
but he got hurt late in camp. So that kind of slowed his role game back into, you know, maybe conditioning. Or do you think it's going to be, you know, every game we're going to see a different, you know, starter at that two guard? I think, like Hendo said in the postgame uh, tonight, he's just – he's trying to feel out what, what is best for this team. Um, and what is best for this team is maybe not what everyone else uh, from the outsider perspectives thinks is best for this team, um, you know, what is actually best. Uh, so I think he's just tinkering with it. Uh, maybe it's a little bit matchup dependent. I, you know, I, I probably don't know quite enough about um, all these kind of non-conference opponents to really understand if that's what they are doing. Um, but like I said, I think the team seems to be fine with it. They've all seemed to respond fine to the different starting lineups. So I think it'll be just something that continues to evolve. Um, but, you know, it, it does seem to be a good thing when Noah is coming off the bench and is able to go against that second unit. You know, he's been their leading scorer in a lot of, or, you know, at least average-wise, I would say, uh, he's been their leading scorer. Um, and he seems to be really dialed in. So if he's comfortable there, uh, you know, maybe that that's the, the better spot for him. And, you know, we, we have seen STSC do something similar, um, you know, back when Dom, uh, you know, his kind of his first breakout year, he was playing more minutes than Ian, but anyone, I think he might have won conference player of the year that year, was like the sixth man. Uh, so like historically we've seen SDSU do it. Uh, obviously it's not ideal to have your, you know, maybe your top scorer coming off the bench, but he is kind of that jolt of offense. You know, they come out, they seem comfortable with these, you know, the starting five when he's not in it right now. Um, but then he, you know, he comes out and plays and, um, He's at, you know, instant offense off the bench. But I do expect him come conference time to be back in the starting lineup. Um, it's just hard not to have your five best players out there. Um, I know Baylor won conference player of the week last week. That's something we can touch on a little bit, in a little, maybe a little, in a little bit. But I do think Noah was the best player on the team last week. I think he probably should have won it. Baylor, I know, had the double doubles. Um, I'm obviously a big fan of Baylor, but I think, you know, Noah was the best player on the team. Um, those last, you know, few games. Um, and I don't know if they counted the Alabama game in that because uh, I think that clearly would have put, you know, Noah in it with, I think he had like 25 points in that game. It was the leading score. And it was really the only reason they were sticking around for most parts of that game. Uh, you know, coming off the bench, being the leading score, um, I think, you know, he really showed that, you know, he's back um, and he's, you know, going to be going for that, you know, first team. Uh, I'll summit, you know, player of the year type thing. Kind of back to that what we saw two years ago. Um, so if we see that consistently throughout the season from him, I have no doubt, you know, he'll be getting the minutes that he you know, probably deserves at this point, but it'll be interesting to see how that, you know, plays out throughout the uh, season here. For sure. And then the other thing I think we kind of uh, haven't spoken to yet uh, was um, Matt's minutes tonight, uh, especially in the Montana state game. Yeah. Uh, you know, he started the first half or the game obviously, and then started in the second half, but I, think if I pull up box score. He only had 13 um, minutes tonight. Yeah, only 13 minutes, and it seemed like he didn't really play many minutes in the second half, uh, but he was out there at the end with the the mm -hmm. rest of the end of the bench. So I don't know if that was something where he, you know, I thought maybe he tweaked something and was maybe a little injured, but then he probably wouldn't have played at the end of the game. So I don't know if that was just game flow, uh, matchups, what happened there. You know, if it did seem like, especially at the start of the first half, Montana State's big guy kind of got some pretty easy buckets. So I don't know if there were some breakdowns defensively that the coaching staff wasn't happy with. Um, but just something to watch as we move forward. And I I can't remember, maybe I'm missing it, but I thought Wilson was maybe guarding their big men coming out of coming out of the half too. Um, I could be wrong there. Um, but you know, the big their big men's probably their better player, and he had just sat the whole first half. So he's you know, he was coming in pretty fresh. Um, and it might have been a matchup thing, like you said. Uh, you know, we saw a lot in that Alabama game. You know, he didn't play much the second half at all. So that might have been just more of a, hey, you know, Alabama basically is playing five guards. Um, we got to run with them. So I think that was more of a matchup thing. But, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that develops throughout the year. And I do think that's where they kind of get hindered in the rebounding is, you know, when he's not on the court, it's kind of Baylor's job to go get the boards. And if he's getting boxed out, you know, they, they lose a the rebounding battle pretty quickly. Um, so – I don't know. It'll be interesting to watch. Uh, but I do think 
when he's in the game, he is, he has, I think defensively this year, he's earned minutes. Um, you know, first couple games, maybe not on the Alabama game, like I said, the guards kind of, you know, it was a little bit faster up-tempo game. But in a couple of the other games, he's had a couple blocks. You know, he's been playing sound defense. Maybe tonight he had a couple breakdowns. But I do think defensively he's earned minutes against traditional bigs. Um, but maybe, you know, it could be a thing too where they think Luke has the, you know, better offensive skill set. Uh, fits maybe what they're looking for, and that's why they go with Luke. Um, I'm not sure. I, I, it just seems weird because two years ago, you know, Matt barely came off the court, um, and it was always talked about how defensively he was a big part of what they like to do, where like the, they did the hedges on the screens, and he was good at crashing and kind of getting back. So just weird, the you know, the fall of minutes for him from two years ago to where we're at now. Um, it's just been interesting to watch that kind of develop. And uh, maybe it's just an off, like we said, offensively, he doesn't fit the scheme as much. And that's what, you know, why he's losing minutes. But it just, it's strange to me that the starter, um, you know, was playing at the end of the game with kind of the end of the bench guys. For sure. And uh, just something to maybe for us to keep an eye on a little bit closer, see if we can get, uh, get to the bottom of it. Um, no, for sure. Um, but it'll be interesting all to see in all, yeah. Or go ahead. No, I was just going to say, it'll be interesting to see if any press conferences or anything like that, we, you know, start getting some comments about it. We haven't really, no one's really asked or heard anything. So we'll see if maybe if there's interviews or, you know, media sessions, if somebody asks a question like that, or uh, just, it'd be nice to, you know, maybe get somewhat of an answer to figure out what's going on there. But obviously we're not going to be privy too much to that kind of information right now. Yeah, and then I was just going to say, all in all, uh, good road trip, I'd say. Uh, you know, you'd love to steal a game against Alabama, but they're also the 14th ranked team in the country, so you can't expect too much there. And then a good home win back at Frost against Montana State. Um, so, you know, right right, kind of where they projected, uh, we projected them to be at this point, uh, if we want to dive into the upcoming games. No, for sure. And, you know, upcoming, like we kind of mentioned, presentation, um, are they NAIA? Is that the kind of level they're at right now? Or are they, I don't know. What, I, game, I, I'm honestly not even sure. <laughs> I don't know what they're playing, what level they're at, but you know, a game where we're probably not going to dive too much into it. SCSU kind of expects to win it. I think ESPN has about a 99 point, like something percent chance to win. Uh, you know, even on a bad night, SCSU still probably beats them by 20. Um, but, you know, we'll kind of, we're going to dive into the first game of the crossover classic. Uh, we're going to drop a, you know, an early episode next week. We're going to drop it on Tuesday. Um, so we're going to go into the, um, for the men's side, we're going to go into the, you know, the Nevada game a little bit here, um, the game one of the tournament. Uh, then on Monday, we'll recap uh, this game, uh, the presentation game a little bit, and then uh, kind of talk about the rest of the tournament, the upcoming games for the Jackrabbit men. Uh, but yeah, Nevada, uh, you know, it's like they're one and two right now. Um, kind of an interesting start to the season for them. Lost to San Diego at home. Um, lost to Santa Clara, um, and then they beat Eastern Washington. So uh, what are you kind of looking for in this game, uh, you know, getting played in Sioux Falls? I think it's a good chance for the Jacks to get a win over, you know, what coming into the season was probably regarded as a fairly high opponent. Um, mm -hmm. I think they probably lost, you know, that, that game against San Diego was a game they were not expected to drop at home. Uh, the Santa Clara game, I think, could have probably gone either way. That was a way, and Santa Clara's picked by some to be on the up and up uh, in, in their conference. Um, you know, Nevada's beginning of the season, they were picked to be um, third in Mountain West. Uh, so, you know, that's a team that's a, a bubble team consideration for the NCAA tournament. You know, Mountain West usually gets two teams in, uh, mm -hmm. can sometimes get that third. So they're probably right, right at that line. Uh, they do have the preseason – player of the year in the Mountain West in Grant Sherfield. Yep. So he'll definitely be a guy that needs to, to be shut down. Um, but I think they do have, you know, a, a lot of um, kind of, uh, or they don't have a ton returning like the Jacks do. Um, mm -hmm. And so, you know, maybe early on, especially in a semi-home environment, the Jackrabbit uh, fans can help uh, get a win against what's going to be a, a really quality opponent, a team that you always expect to be at the top of the mid-majors. Yep. 
and this is you know this is one of those tournaments where you know it's in Sioux Falls obviously gonna be a pretty biased SESU crowd um and it's you know a lot of people that maybe don't travel up to Brookings as often it's a good chance for them to kind of get out and they you know watch them uh play but it will be you know like maybe they're not the greatest team in the world uh Nevada right now but you know the Jackrabbit men go in and win the game um it obviously looks good just seeing Nevada in the win column usually you know those uh, not quite, you know, they're not like a power five team, but they're a little bit higher at mid-major. Um, so, uh, you know, it's always important to win these games. Uh, obviously, the crossover classic kind of, we'll, we'll get more into it, but kind of, you know, aligning pretty well for the Jacks right now um, with, with the teams they're going to play. Uh, so they should look pretty good coming out of it. But, you know, with the Nevada, you want to go in, you know, get the win, be, what is it, five and one um, coming out of it or coming out coming out of that game and, uh, you know, kind of set yourself up for a strong second half run for the non-conference. Yeah, and I think one other thing to kind of pay attention to as we start the crossover classic is um, while the Jacks have had a ton of success uh, with Eric Henderson, you know, as a head coach, when it comes to these three games, three days scenarios, they haven't maybe has had mm-hmm. or they maybe haven't had as much success as yep. – uh, everyone has hoped for, you know, they've kind of, you know, other than, you know, they lose a heartbreaker to Oral Roberts in the semis last year, but otherwise they lose a first round game in the sem- summer league tournament. Um, and then last year in the, in the crossover classic that they played in, they kind of had one good game, one really tough loss, and then a pretty poor showing. And so you'd like to see them start out on a good note in this uh, tournament against Nevada and play a really competitive game, what's expected to be, um, and hopefully beat them, and then parlay that into the next two games and, and maybe try and win all three games here against what should be pretty comparable uh, opponents for the Jacks. No, for sure. And, like, even the Dakota Showcase they played last year, um, they went 2-1 and one in it, but really third game was against USD and really threw out a clunker. Uh, it was a game where, like, Stanley Moutier went for, like, 40-some points or whatever, just went off and – this look, they look like they slept walk through the whole game. So, um, yeah, it'd be nice to see them go three and zero. But um, really, you just want to see them put up three consistent games in it. Um, we'll dive into maybe a little bit more of that on you know next week's episode that comes out Tuesday. Um, but yeah, it'd be like you said, it'll be nice to see if they can you know come out and put uh, some consistent games up and uh, play hard for all three and not sleepwalk through them. And I think uh, you know with this team returning, they all have felt these three games. Uh, this time and they kind of you know use this game to springboard forward um and uh one one thing i i should bring up too is that uh i think the past three games and nate oates alabama's head coach talked about this in the post game press conference for them is coach brian peterson from sdsu uh, has been gone these past three games i think he had a family emergency he had to go back to either right before right after the alabama game Okay. And I believe he's their kind of head um, scout scout uh, for these, uh, you know, other opponents, not that oh. the other people don't contribute at all. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, Clink has been in that role before and Hendo has done that when he was an assistant coach. Um, but I believe coach Peterson has kind of been the main head scout X's and O's guys. And, you know, with three games in three days, you don't have a ton of time to prepare, but it is important to, kind of have some of that that scouting and personnel uh, done on a quick turnaround. And so it'll just be interesting to see um, if he's not back, you know, how, how that goes. Um, just something I, I kind of picked up on. Nope, that's a good point to make. Um, well, yeah, with that being said, we'll, we'll kind of move over to the, the girls' side of things. Uh, less, a couple, only two games to kind of go over here. Uh, you know, the Mississippi State game um, and the Iowa State game. Uh, both losses for the SCSU women. Iowa State, you know, ranked number 14 in the uh, league at the time. Kind of we mentioned that was a higher-end game. Mississippi State game felt like they should have won. Uh, you know, really jumped out to an early lead, kind of let it fall off. Uh, you know, another big storyline. Still haven't seen Maya yet. Um, so we're not really sure, you know, when she'll see action. Uh, but I guess I just some takeaways I had from, you know, the Mississippi State game. I wasn't able to watch the Iowa State one uh, due to some travel for work. Uh, but the Mississippi State game, I was able to at least follow along a little bit. Um, you know, Paige Meyer, again, had a big game. 
Um, I believe she won freshman of the year uh, and a lot of it probably came or of the week. Sorry. Um, 25 points in her first true road game. Um, I believe Haley Timmer also had 11 um, points. So, you know, two of the three leading scores for the Jacks for the freshman. Tori Nelson also had 11. Uh, and games like that is where you kind of want to see Paige or not Paige, Peyton and, uh, you know, Kylie step up a little bit more, maybe carry some more of the offensive load. Uh, both of them had some foul trouble. Looks like, you know, four fouls each. Uh, maybe that's what led to, you know, Paige and Haley getting some more minutes and more opportunities. But, you know, good for the freshman to step up in a true road game. Um, but, you know, 13 points from the two seniors. Probably like to see some more out of offensive, you know, productivity for him. Tylee had an off night, three of 12 shooting. You're going to have that. Um, but that would that's probably where, you know, if you're going to win those games, you need them to step up. And um, they did kind of, you know, win a closer game. They did shorten up the lineup a little bit, only played nine people. You can shorten and you still play nine, kind of a funny way to say it. But uh, then you go with her 11, you know, like we have been seeing. Uh, so it looks like maybe that'll be the main nine, and who knows, we'll maybe lose minutes when Maya's back. Uh, but any takeaways you had from, you know, this game? For the Mississippi State game, yeah, I think that's a game that you're disappointed that you end up losing that game. And you're up mm-hmm. eight points at halftime. Um, obviously, you know, it's a, it's a powerful power five conference team that can make a run and get back in the game like they did. But, um, I think when you're up, up eight points at halftime for the Jackrabbits, you, you expect to be able to continue that. And I think there's just been, uh, in, you know, in the Mississippi state game and then the Iowa state game, there's been too many stretches where the Jacks have gone without enough offense and without Mm -hmm. scoring that have let teams come back in the game. Um, And we kind of saw that uh, in the Iowa State game a little bit, you know, if we're getting ahead of ourselves. Uh, There was just Mm -hmm. some questionable shot selection a little bit and then also some late clock situations where the shot clock was winding down. It didn't seem like they were able to get what they wanted out of that offensive possession and then they ended up either getting a shot clock violation or just having to kind of throw up a, a prayer at the end. And so... Um, you know, I wasn't able to watch the Mississippi State game, so I don't have a ton of takeaways, but just that that's a game that you probably would like to be able to to win on the road. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it, it's not going to hurt you a ton because that is, a, you know, a power five team. Um, but it is good. You know, you, there is good takeaways from it. You have Paige Meyer scored 25 points in her first ever road game. And, you know, she's just become very comfortable, I think, in the offense and running the point guard. And that's great to see because that is a position, you know, the Jacks need someone that's able to create and make plays for their teammates. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, Haley Timmer seems to be pretty comfortable um, playing a lot of minutes for the Jacks too, which is good because, you know, she's going to be needed uh, throughout the season. And I was – I have been really impressed with her cutting and kind of offensive um, just – feel for the game and, you know, when to cut, uh, when to get the ball in the post and go to work. And uh, I think she also has some promise on the defensive end where she can maybe develop into kind of a Tylee Irwin type defender. So good takeaways from a team that's, you know, still kind of forming, especially the younger players. Um, You'd like to get a win uh, against Mississippi State, but um, good learning opportunity too. Nope. And for sure. And really, you know, we've seen a lot of these girls play so much at this point, but um, really only three seniors that play, uh, you know, minutes with Paige or Peyton, uh, Tylee and Lindsay. Um, so it's still a fairly young team, especially with Maya not playing yet. Um, and you know, it's good to see them compete. Uh, obviously, come seeding time, if you know they're lucky enough to make the tournament, the pro- maybe, you know, you never know if they, the, committee knows that, you know, the best player has been hurt for this stretch of games, has been playing, but, you know, um, they kind of go to evaluate it. But um, it's good to see them compete without Maya. Um, and then, you know, once Maya gets back to full strength, uh, you know, this team's going to be, you know, really set uh, with a lot of different playmakers. So, like, you know, if Kylie's having an off night or Maya's having an off night, so, okay, you know, Paige can step up or, you know, Haley or Peyton or um, really a lot of Tori Nelson or a lot of other players can, you know, step up and, um, I guess one thing we should probably make note of, because I don't think we've talked about it yet. Uh, Sydney Stapleton is officially not on the roster this year. Uh, sounds like, you know, she's 
she just, you know, left the team for whatever reason, still on campus. Uh, just maybe, you know, with the lineup and the minutes being reduced, just felt getting the degree was the more important, you know, stage for her. So um, I do know that was, you know, it's been officially said that she's not on the roster now. Uh, something we both kind of made note of, but we weren't really sure of the situation. So we didn't want to comment, I know, early on. Um, but uh, So I believe in the offseason she might have uh, torn her ACL, I think. Okay. Uh, or had a significant injury of some sort and then was trying to come back from that um, injury. And then probably also, you know, maybe some of the situation, like you said, with the minutes and the freshman incoming, looking like they were going to get, you know, quite a few cracks that uh, she just, you know, decided it wasn't, wasn't what she wanted to, to do, but that's all speculation as well. So yeah. I don't want to, you know, project, uh, you know, onto someone else's uh, situation, mm-hmm. but good, good to know. Yeah. Figured it is worth noting now that we kind of officially know she's, you know, not on the roster, not on the team anymore. Um, Cause we were like, we, you know, you had heard that the injury and, but we weren't sure if she was on the roster, still just not listed or whatever, but, um, but no. And I guess with that Mississippi state game, uh, like we can keep beating it in, but you know, it would have been nice to win, but understandable first road game of the year. Uh, gets a power five team, SEC school, a lot of length. Uh, size for maybe the Jacks, you know, not quite there. Um, but uh, it could have been worse. You know, if they would have got blown out, there would have been like a, you know, a lot of red flags. Uh, but a game you can you can live with at this point in the season um, and with, you know, Maya still not being in the game. Uh, and then we'll kind of move into that Iowa State game. Uh, obviously, you know, go, same thing we kind of talked about the men. Number 14 team in the country. Uh, you know, historically, you know, we think STSU would put up a little bit better fight. Obviously, still no Maya. So, you know, what are you looking for from the game? Uh, but, you know, some notable things from this one. Uh, you know, Peyton um, Burkhart and Tyler Irwin with 10 and 12 apiece. Uh, Megan Blaston, uh, 14 points off the bench. Um, but, you know, lost 75 to 56. I don't think I said that before. Uh, but, you know, some consistent, you know, play throughout the lineup for the team. Obviously, you know, Haley and Paige's scoring went down a little bit. But, again, uh, you know, that was the, the first real road game or real tough road team that faced, you know, number 14 team in the country. Uh, so you kind of expect maybe some more jitters in that game than versus the Mississippi State one. Um, but any takeaways you had from that one, obviously, like I said, I was traveling on the road, so I didn't get to have, watch too much of it. But any like takeaways you had from that game? So the Jacks did get off to a pretty good start in this game. Um, you know, they ended up leading at the end of the first quarter. Um, and then they just went only and only scored nine points in the second quarter. Iowa State scored 21, and they weren't ever able to recover, you know, from that deficit. Um, I already touched on a little bit. I think offensively, they just were a little off their game, and they weren't getting the shots when they wanted in the offense and in the um, half court. Um, they just were kind of out of position or timing was off. And Iowa State did play them a little differently. They really packed it in, uh, took away cutting lanes, took away post-ups, and kind of dared SDSU to shoot the ball, which they did. They ended up shooting 31 three-pointers, which, you know, is not quite their game. They can make those, uh, but they weren't making, a, you know, a ton of them. And that's probably, you know, eight eight more threes than they would like to attempt. Um, so, like I said, shot selection was, could have been better. And I think this was the first instance of where you really missed Maya and her ability to create shots for herself um, and then also get to the foul line. Jackson only got to the foul line 11 times. And then also in those late clock situations, when the play has broken down, you haven't got the shot that you wanted for that possession. You have someone you can get the ball to and they can make something happen. So those were kind of the the things I noticed offensively. Defensively, it wasn't, you know, it was pretty good. It wasn't their best effort. Uh, They didn't do – the greatest job guarding the ball. Uh, Iowa State has two really fast, really good ball handlers that seem to be able to get downhill kind of when they wanted to. So I think that'll be just something they pick up, uh, you know, in the video and, and after the game that Coach AJ will have whipped into shape because, you know, traditionally it's a pretty good uh, defensive squad, and especially team defense. So those are some things I noticed. Uh, you Like you said, you'd like to see them be a little more competitive, but it is a high-ranked team. You are missing your best player on the road in a tough environment. Uh, so that's kind of what I saw from that game. 
nope for sure and um like i said i don't have too much to add uh but you know we kind of made note of it before even the game that you know especially without maya playing you don't really have too high of expectations for the game so at least it's good to see him fight uh you know come out strong in the first quarter obviously like you said maya maybe would have helped out in the second quarter there a little bit kind of keeping him um you know in the groove and um you know we'll probably see it in a couple other games this year when teams want to run who can step up for them uh that's you know what happened in the mississippi state game uh you know it looks like it happened again in the iowa state game that they're just looking for that you know that second person that can step up consistently obviously like peyton or tiley to do that um but they're not going to be able to do it every night um so we'll see who can do it for the jacks uh you know going into their uh, next couple games that we can kind of preview here uh the montana state on friday or on thursday excuse me and they play uh creighton on sunday they're at home versus montana state on the road versus creighton uh you know two interesting matchups teams that uh, you know, Creighton, they're familiar, they're, you know, they played last year, uh, Montana State, did, I don't remember if they played last year or not, uh, but, you know, a couple interesting matchups uh, for the ladies. Yeah, so the Montana State game on Thursday, I think, is a good opportunity for the Jacks to get back at Frost, have uh, a good game against, you know, a quality opponent, but one that is maybe not as good as they traditionally have been. You know, mm -hmm. I think two years ago, Montana State won their conference, and then they weren't able to go play an NCAA tournament um, because, you know, everything got canceled. And then I think they've lost quite a few players since then. They do have the um, reigning Big Sky Defensive Player of the Year, uh, Darian White. She's a guard. She's super quick, really good player for them. But around her, I don't think they have a ton. And so um, they're projected to be middle of the Big Sky, I believe. And so you hope that, uh, like I said, the Jacks have an opportunity to kind of get back to their normal selves and correct some of the things that they noticed, uh, you know, they were not doing as well as they'd like in those games against Mississippi State and Iowa State. Um, but that's kind of what I have for Montana State. No, for sure. And um, like you said, uh, returning, uh, are they have the favor for the Big, uh, big Sky Player of the Year? Uh, you know, she's a guard, so it'll be interesting to see. Um, probably something uh, where we'll see Tylee, you know, be thrown at her. Uh, it'll be interesting, I guess, something maybe I should make note of, you know, Tyler's probably been the defensive player uh, for SDSU to go up and guard some tougher opponents. Um, maybe that's hurt her on offense a little bit. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if they can, um, you know, if they'll keep using her there um, and that kind of stuff. I, did, I was looking through the roster, or excuse me, I was looking ahead too soon here. Um, but no, so like, obviously, uh, she's 5'6", so somebody, maybe we'll see Paige guard her a little bit give Tylee a little bit of a break on defense and see if she can take over on offense a little bit more. Um, but uh, yeah, you know, interesting matchup, a couple six, two forwards for him. So again, a little bit of size uh, for SDC to go up against, uh, you know, six, three forward center, a couple six, one player. So, um, and then they also have a six, six center. So um, a lot of size for him to go up against, see how they, you know, uh, match up. And really it's kind of been a common seat, a theme we've seen throughout the, this year and even past years in the non-conference is they like to go up against a lot of size um, to get, you know, practice for that conference or the a tournament at the end of the year. So um, interesting matchup for him here. And then, um, you know, the Creighton game as well is going to be, you know, pretty interesting. Um, you know, experienced team, it looks like a few seniors, uh, you know, freshman from Sioux Falls, I'm guessing she doesn't play too much, but, you know, a familiar face for people around uh, South Dakota parts. Actually, a couple of uh, people from O'Gorman, it looks like, freshman and sophomore. So another interesting matchup uh, they went up against last year. Uh, anything you're kind of looking forward to in that game? I think it's a team that SDSU has kind of, you know, had their number the past couple of times. They seem to play them most every year in the non-conference. It's a good test. Mm -hmm. um, you know, Creighton is projected to be middle of the Big East. Um, so, you know, they're not – a high-end big, big East team. They're not ranked or anything like that. Yep. Um, I believe at the moment they're one and two. So they've beat Wayne State and then UNO, uh, a team, you know, the Jacks will face in conference play. And then they've lost, it looks like, to Drake on the road and then University of Nebraska on the road. Uh, and those were both close games. So I think it'll be, a, you know, a really competitive game. It'll be a good opportunity for any Jacks fans in the Nebraska area or maybe south of Sioux Falls to go catch a road game that you, you know, you wouldn't normally maybe get to see. It should be a, you know, great mid-major clash. Um, and there is some local connections on the Creighton team. So mm -hmm. 
it's a it's a really good opportunity for for the Jackrabbits to go get their first road win because you know they've had a little bit of struggle on the road, obviously against some some quality teams. But you know it's two two games that you hope the Jacks can uh, right some of the wrongs that they you know showed in those those games against Mississippi State and Iowa State, and then mm-hmm. uh, correct them. And we might see Maya back. You know we we don't really know at this point. It could be any day. Um, just because that that timetable hasn't been put down, so it'd be great to see if she's back. But if not, um, you know, I think they have definitely enough people and enough depth to to get a couple wins in these two games. Nope, for sure. And um, I don't really have a whole lot to add there, just because I don't know you know a whole lot about this Creighton team. I wasn't able to sit down uh, and kind of look over a whole lot about them before the uh, before this because of like I said, travel for work. Um, but like you said, I think the biggest thing is get that first road win. Um, you know, go there, get a win. Don't overlook an opponent, but it is important to, you know, get that, you know, get that feeling of what it's like to win on the road. So, um, you know, go down there, do that, um, and kind of get, you know, ready uh, for, you know, the next part. Of, I believe they have a tournament coming up down. Do they, are they playing in Florida? Is that right? That sounds right. Um, yep, so, I think over Thanksgiving weekend. Okay, perfect. And we'll obviously discuss that a little bit more. Uh, you know, next episode. Uh, but if you don't have anything else uh, for that game, I'll just kind of run through some records on the uh, girls' side for the Around the Summit. Just give a little bit of an update, uh, kind of where things sit. Obviously, you know, we haven't dug too deep into like all the games that have been played. Um, you know, Western Illinois sits atop the Summit right now at two and one. Uh, Denver, NDSU, USD, SSU, and Kansas City all have one win. Uh, most are just one and two. KC's one and one. The rest are 0-3 or 0-2, Omaha, Oral Roberts, UND, and St. Thomas. Uh, so, you know, nothing, you know, huge on that side of things. I know uh, USD played the number one team in the country, South Carolina. You know, obviously struggled in that game. It is the number one team in the country, so there's no real surprise there. Um, and then on the, you know, the men's side of the Summit League, um, there has been a couple, you know, interesting things to watch. Um, there's been a few upsets, uh, Western Illinois, Beat Nebraska. They're sitting at three and zero. We talked about that last week. Uh, CSU's obviously three and one. KC and NDSU are both two and two. Uh, Sam Griesel, I believe, has been out uh, with some medical stuff. Had you know an emergency surgery. It sounds like. Uh, so you know that's going to be something to watch all year. Who knows? You know when you have something scary like that happen before the season really gets going, you never know how long they're going to be out. What's going to do to conditioning, or you know when they can get back into the groove of things. So. Obviously, you know, you want him to get all right. You know, we want everyone to kind of stay healthy. But uh, it is a bigger storyline now for NDSU. Um, and then, you know, you got UND, Oral Roberts, uh, USD all at one and one, Denver at two and three, uh, St. Thomas and Omaha at one and two. Um, you know, we were kind of talking before this. Denver, you know, really has struggled. Um, but, you know, they've lost to some pretty bad teams. They're going to be a team that, you know, come summer league action, we're going to be scraping for some wins. Uh, but other than maybe some of the medical talk, um, do you have any, you know, takeaways from the Summit League uh, for men or women? On the men's side, I think UMKC beat Missouri. Um, yep. So a good, you know, power five win for UMKC. Uh, they also seem to compete pretty decently on their opening night uh, game against Minnesota. So, you know, I think UMKC has maybe been overlooked a little bit in the, in the Summit League. Obviously, we're a long ways away from, when Summit League play actually starts, but, you know, they might be a team that is going to be with Western Illinois uh, trying to nip at the heels of, you know, USD and maybe crack into that, that trifecta at the top of Oral Roberts, NDSU, SDSU. Um, Just from, you know, I'm in a couple's, you know, Summit League kind of like group chats and uh, just kind of seeing some dialogue right now. Um, You know, early on the season, a big thing was, you know, SDSU was picked one uh, with NDSU, then Oral Roberts. And there was some talk like, well, don't you think Oral Roberts should be one? Uh, I think from what I saw after, you know, tonight in the last couple of games, a lot of people are feeling SDSU kind of is in their own tier at one right now. Um, and then that tier two is probably NDSU by themselves. I do think where most, a lot of the teams are right now is that third tier of, you know, Oral Roberts, are they, what's their defense going to be like this year? Because they're going to be able to score with everybody, but they're just going to get outscored every game if they're going to play bad defense again. Um, USD, you know, they haven't had scoring uh, consistently. Uh, they're kind of in that tier. Western Illinois, I think, has jumped up into it. They're probably closer to the top. They're probably closer to the second tier 
than the bottom of the third tier. Um, they might be the third place team right now. And then UMKC, they can defend everybody in the country. Uh, they've played now three power five teams and they've really beat up some teams early on. Uh, but scoring, they obviously they beat Missouri because, you know, their scoring finally showed up. But last year, uh, they couldn't do it consistently. And that's, you know, defense always travels, but in the Summit League play, you know, you still have to score. Um, so we'll see, you know, how that does. Because everybody, you know, everybody I think in the Summit can, you know, offensively at the top of the league can score. Um, I don't think anyone's going to really have issues. It might be a little bit more grind out with UMKC. But if UMKC can't score, they're not going to get away from anybody. And um, I think you expect NDSU or SDSUs or the Royal Roberts in a close game to have, you know, a couple shooters or scores that can kind of put them over the top. So it'll be interesting to watch, you know, UMKC if they can, uh, you know, find that, you know, number one, number two guy that can kind of put them over the top scoring wise. But I do think, you know, Western Illinois and UMKC have really shown that they can hold their own this year uh, with the top tier of the, the league. And overall, that's good news for the league on the men's side to have mm -hmm. just more competitiveness, uh, you know, up and down the schedule, prepare you for that conference tournament and then uh, make for an exciting conference tournament. And then whoever ends up getting the bid, uh, hopefully they're, they're even more prepared to try and knock off a high seed in the NCAA tournament. No, for sure. And um, yeah, these are, you know, obviously uh, we'll get more into the matchups, uh, but the better Summit League, the better the mid-tier teams are, the better it is for, you know, the team that does win to make it to the tournament. So, um, you know, we'll, have, we'll, we'll break it down a little bit more when we do our kind of conference preview episode. Um, we'll probably have somebody on with us kind of that has been, you know, watching a little bit more and kind of paying a little bit more attention that can really give us an idea of what to expect from other teams. But um, I think with that being said, that's kind of all the major news up to this point. Um, like I mentioned earlier on in the episode, Next week, we are doing a little bit different scheduling again uh, with it being Thanksgiving week. We're not going to drop an episode Wednesday. Uh, we're going to drop it Tuesday morning um, after the first round of the uh, crossover classic, or I believe that's what it's called. Um, so after the first game, we're going to drop it Tuesday morning, uh, kind of preview the Thanksgiving week games, um, everything up until next Wednesday, and uh, kind of go from there. So uh, with that being said, Unless you have anything else, Cody, uh, I'll sign off here. That'll be the end of this week's episode. Remember to like and subscribe to the podcast wherever you're listening. Um, and we'll be back, like I said, next Tuesday uh, to, you know, recap the rest of the week for SDSU basketball.